to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. church. So good to be with you all. I am live streaming to you today. Uh, I am in our office studio, and I know you are watching, although some of you may watch this later, I I know many of you right now are watching this at home. And uh, what an awesome time of worship. And uh, for those of you who are a part of our church family, we're so glad that we can be together in this way. And also, I want to welcome all of you who are guests watching. Maybe you're here in the Orlando area. Maybe you're somewhere else across the country, around the world. Uh, That's the beauty of technology, that we can all connect uh, wherever we're at. Uh, But even as we've had that time of worship, I hope you sense the presence of God. And, you know, there's something about worship, about praise, that just brings us into the presence of God, that creates an atmosphere for God to move. And so I hope this morning, wherever you are joining us from, wherever you're tuning in from today, that you sense the presence of God. And I I really believe that even as we are in this series of church online, that God is wanting us to continually remember uh, that church is not just a place we go, but it is a people that we are and we are becoming as we live the Jesus life together. And so wherever you're at today, I hope you experience the presence of God. And we're going to take a few minutes just to come around the Word of God today. And so I want to encourage you, uh, I know you may have kids climbing all over you, but as much as you're able to, uh, or maybe you're out for a walk, maybe you're watching this some other time, but as much as you're able to, to really tune in your heart and mind uh, for just a few moments, I believe that God wants to speak to us today. If you need to fill up your your coffee cup, you can do that. I've got mine here. Uh, But we're going to continue a series that we started last Sunday that we're calling Home Life. And we are really talking about what does it look like to experience heaven in our homes? Uh, That uh, even as church is not just a place we go on Sundays, but that God's presence and God's life would fill our homes. And so uh, if you have your Bible today, you can grab it and turn with me to the book of Genesis. And uh, last week I introduced the series and we talked about uh, heaven in our home. And I shared with you that uh, the scripture says that Jesus came. And when he came, he didn't come to uh, live separated from ordinary life. He came into the reality of everyday life. He lived with a real family, real problems, real challenges. And what a beautiful reminder that God's not separate from our home life. But when we invite Jesus in, when we make space for him to move, we can experience the presence of God in all of life. And so today I want to continue and I want to talk to you today. If you have a notebook, you can take notes and just kind of engage in that way. But I want to talk to you today about the blueprint for home. And so if you have a Bible, you can look with me. If not, we'll put it on the screen in Genesis chapter 2. And I want to read starting at verse 8. Genesis chapter 2, and uh, the scripture says this. It says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Now a river went out from Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bedelium and onyx stone are there. Verse 13, and the name of the second river is Gihon, and it is the one that goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is, I'm going to say this fast and confident, okay, Hedekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I want to talk to you today about the blueprint of home. And really, here in this passage that we have just read this morning, we find the very first account of home. Although we may not live in a garden, and although we may not have waterfront property with the rivers and all of the beauty that there was in that place, I believe that this passage of Scripture contains the blueprint. It contains the plan, the prototype for home. And ultimately, I believe that for every single one of us, regardless of what our home life is, regardless of whether you're single or married, regardless of whether you have kids or don't have kids, or maybe you're in a season of life now where your kids have moved out of home, regardless of whether you live in an apartment or you live in a beautiful estate, I believe God wants every one of us to build our homes according to a plan. Oftentimes, when we think of our house, uh, maybe working on our house, we all recognize the importance of a plan. My wife and I are uh, considering an addition on our home, but before we start building, we're clarifying the plan. We are getting the blueprints together. Uh, nobody builds an addition and starts an addition by just going or building a home, by just going down to Home Depot and buying a bunch of lumber and buying some nails and uh, buying the raw materials without first having a plan. And the same is true when it comes not just to our house, but our home. So many times we all have a plan for our house, but we don't have a clear plan for our home, for the things that happen in our house, the things of family, of relationship, of, uh, that God has for us. And as a result, so many times people end up in problems because they've not set out with a plan. They've not recognized the plan that God has given. And I'm so glad to tell you today that whatever your home life is and whatever season of life you're in, you don't have to find yourself in a mess, but you can follow the plan in this 
passage that God gives us a blueprint that if we will build our home life according to his plan, according to his blueprint, I believe that we can save ourselves a lot of problems. And so I want to share with you today as we look at this passage of scripture, several things, four things that I believe God wants every one of us to understand, regardless of what season of life we are in, in order to build our lives according to to his blueprint, that we would today consult the blueprint, God's blueprint for our home life. And uh, the first thing I want you to see, and if you're taking notes, you can just jot this down. The first part or the first aspect of God's blueprint for our homes is number one, the place. Notice what the scripture says in Genesis chapter two, verse eight. It says, the Lord God planted a garden of Eden in the east, and there he placed the man. Notice that it wasn't Adam choosing the place, but it was God determining the place where Adam would be. God placed Adam. You know, the the fact is that there are some things in our lives that are beyond our control that we do not choose. Uh, You didn't choose where you were born. You didn't choose when you were born. Maybe the circumstances of your life right now, maybe even the, the, the physical house that you live in, maybe you think this isn't where I want to be. But I'm glad to tell you today that we see here that wherever we're at, it is not coincidence. The Bible tells us that God has placed us where we're at. In fact, I love what Acts chapter 17 verse 26 says. It says that God has determined the times He's determined the places that we live, determined the times set for them and the exact places where we should live. In other words, the place that you're at is not just a coincidence. You've been placed by God. And that's so important for all of us to recognize because oftentimes we can develop what I call a a grass is greener mentality. We can kind of think if we could just get into a different place, maybe that's a, a physical place, that life would be better. If we could just move to a different city, if we just lived in this place or that place, if we just got into a different place of life, maybe it's a, uh, it's, you can feel this sense of the grass is greener if I just got into a different place of life. Maybe it's if I could just get married, if I just wasn't married, if I was just had the freedom of being single, or if I just had kids or I didn't have kids, or if I just got to this place financially, then I could really experience God's purpose for me. But this gives us the reminder that wherever we're at, God has placed us there. And what I want you to see is in this passage, the, the scripture says that there was gold in that place. It, it, there, there, it wasn't cultivated yet. It had not been mined out of the earth. There was gold and onyx and riches. In other words, there's great potential in the place. And I believe the same is true for every single one of us. Oftentimes in our home life, we can have that grass is greener mentality And we can think if I could just get to a different place, then I could really experience God's plan for my life. But the book of Genesis here in this story shows us that whatever place we are in, there is potential in that place. And so I believe it's it's crucial for every one of us to embrace the place that God has put us in. 
there's a, a phrase that to me really encapsulates that uh, value and it's a Latin phrase that is in situ. Can you say that with me? In situ. That is a, a Latin word that literally means in place or on site. Uh, it is used in construction or engineering or architecture uh, in contrast to prefab. Prefab is built off-site and just kind of brought in and put in place. But a building or a home that is built in situ uses the raw materials of that place. And it is built on-site in place. And the fact is that prefab is faster but in situ, in place is stronger. And I believe that God wants us to learn to, if we're going to experience his purpose for our home, that we've got to embrace the place that we're in, that we need to build in situ. And so I want to encourage you, whatever season of life you're in, there is gold in that season. Maybe you're a, a parent. Maybe right now it feels like life is a mess. I want to encourage you to begin to see your children uh, with potential. There is gold in those children. Maybe you're in a season of singleness right now, and maybe that's not where you ultimately want to be, but I want to encourage you today. There is gold in that season. Wherever you're in, begin to recognize the potential of the place that you're in. So number one, if we're going to experience God's plan, number one, we need to embrace the place. We need to see the place as full of potential. The second thing I want you to see in this passage is not only if we're going to build according to God's blueprint for home, not only do we need to recognize the place, but we also need to recognize the purpose. Look at what the Bible says in Genesis 2:15, that the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. In other words, to take the place and to cultivate the raw materials of that place. Adam was there in the garden to take that place and to take dominion over that place, to turn that place into an extension of heaven on earth. And the reality is for every single one of us that regardless of the place that we are in, God has put us in that place for a purpose. Oftentimes we see our life and we know the work that we do. We know the what, but we don't understand the why behind the what. We have not embraced the kingdom purpose for the place that we are in. It wasn't just to enjoy life. That's not the only reason that God put Adam in that place, but it was ultimately to cultivate, to create that place to be an extension of heaven on earth. And I want you to see that that before Adam had a partner, he had a purpose. Oftentimes we think if I could just get a partner, if I could just move into a different season, then I would experience uh, the purpose. But God wanted Adam to see the purpose, to cultivate the place that he was in. And I believe that's so important for every one of us, to have a purpose for our home beyond our home, to see the value of our home in light of the kingdom of God. Uh, Stephen Covey in his book, Seven High, uh, Habits of Highly Effective Families, talks about how many families, uh, they understand the routines of life, but they don't understand the reason or the why. They don't have a clear 
mission for their family. They don't understand why they do what they do. And I believe for every one of us, it is crucial that we understand why has God put me on the earth and that in your family, you have a clear sense of mission for your family that's ultimately connected to the kingdom of God. Maybe some of you today feel like, well, I know what I do. I have work, I go to work, I do these things, but I don't know why I exist. I don't know why God has put me on the earth. I know for me, um, I, I say it this way, I believe my purpose in life is to change the world through multiplying Jesus communities. And ultimately what I'm saying is that changing the world means advancing the kingdom of God. And God's given you a different calling, a different garden, so to speak, to cultivate. Perhaps you are called to the garden of business. Perhaps you're called to the garden of education. But every single one of us, God has given us a purpose for our home. And I want to encourage you today to begin to see the God-given purpose for your home. So if you say, well, I'm not sure what that purpose is. I'm not really sure why God has put me on the planet. I want to draw, you attention, draw your attention to this fact uh, that Adam discovered his purpose by being alone with God. The way that Adam discovered his purpose was by being alone with God. And if you feel like you don't know what your purpose is, maybe you feel like you're just getting through life, the key to discovering your purpose in life is by getting alone with God. We have an opportunity right now as we're in this season to really uh, waste the season or we can spend more time alone with God. We can spend more time being focused with God that we would understand that garden that he has called us to. And maybe some of you, you feel like I know what my purpose is, but I'm not seeing the potential released in this purpose. Uh, I want to remind you that gardens have seasons. Gardens have seasons. And maybe you're in a season in life right now. Maybe your home life, maybe the purpose that God has given to you right now doesn't look very fruitful. You may be tempted to look for another garden, to move into a different place. But I, I want to encourage you to keep sowing into the season that God has you in. Gardens have seasons. And the key to seeing fruit in the purpose that God has for you is to be faithful in the season that you're in right now. And, and so, number one, uh, if you want to experience God's purpose for your home and for your family, you need to recognize the, or if you want to experience the blueprint, his plan, you need to recognize the place. You also need to recognize the purpose. And then number three, not only did God give Adam a place and not only did he give him a purpose, but he also gave him parameters. Parameters. Look at what the Bible says in verse 16 and 17. God said this of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In other words, God was establishing parameters for Adam and ultimately for Eve and for all of mankind. And oftentimes we can hear that and we can think, well, that's so restrictive. But I want you to see that that wasn't actually restrictive. It was releasing. It, it, it wasn't 
about putting them on restriction. It was actually giving them freedom. Notice what the scripture says. All of the trees you may freely eat, except this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was not giving them parameters to put them in bondage. He was giving them parameters to bring them into freedom. And the fact is that that, that there is, if you want to experience freedom, sometimes we think freedom is experienced through the lack of boundaries, the lack of parameters, just being able to do whatever you feel like doing. But the scripture shows us that the key to freedom is not the absence of boundaries, but it is living within the boundaries that God has given to us, that God is giving us boundaries so that we would experience His blessing in the boundaries. You know, we, we all have experienced this practically. Uh, maybe you remember when you got your driver's license. I remember the feeling of freedom of having my driver's license. I felt like finally I am free to go where I want to go, do what I want to do. But the reality is that that freedom was only the reflection of my ability to live within the parameters, to drive within the parameters. Practically speaking, on the road, there's a yellow line that goes down the middle of the road, and it is a parameter that is not to restrict my freedom, but to bring me into freedom. Uh, we know this in other areas of life, that there is blessing in boundaries. Sometimes we're tempted to think, if I could just do whatever I feel like doing, then I would really experience life. Then I'd experience the good life. But God gives us parameters to live our life in, not to restrict us, but ultimately to give us life, to, to give us life and life more abundantly. That's why David said, I love your law. He's saying, I, I've learned to live within the boundaries. He was a man that had gone out of the boundaries and he saw what it produced in his life and his family and his own heart. And so he recognized that. And he said, God, I want to live within the boundaries. The word of God gives the boundaries. The Bible gives the boundaries gives the parameters that we are to live life in if we want to experience the fullness of life that God has for us. Again, if I could give you another illustration, if you were building a house and it was time for your inspection, let's say it's time for your electrical inspection and the, the inspector shows up and your contractor, your electrician, he, the, the inspector says, did you follow the code? And the, inspector, the electrician says, well, I didn't follow the code. I just did what I felt like doing. I just followed my feelings. You, you would not be happy <laughs> because ultimately our feelings make terrible leaders. They're great followers, but they're terrible leaders. We shouldn't be ruled by our feelings. And the Word of God gives us the parameters that we can experience life in that when we obey God, that we, we experience the fullness of what he has for us. And so the place of maturity is not when we can live without boundaries, but even within our homes, we know that the place of maturity, the goal for our children is that they would internalize the boundaries that God has set for them through his word. And, and I believe in 
all of life, in our sexuality, in our finances, in our uh, emotions, in our communication, that God's word provides the parameters that we should live our life, not according to our feelings, but the truth of God's word so that we would experience the life that God has for us. And so if we want to follow the plan, we need to live in the place. We need to discover the purpose. We need to live within the parameters. And then the last thing I want you to see is the partnership. The partnership. Notice what the word says in verse 18. It says, it's not good for man to be alone. Now this was before sin had entered the world. The first thing that God said in the entire world that was not good is for man or mankind to live alone in isolation. Ultimately, God has not made us for isolation. Uh, If we are learning anything in this season of social distancing, it's that we need each other. It's not good to be alone. And ultimately, it's because we were made in the image of a relational God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we were made from relationship, and we were made for relationship. And ultimately, I believe this, that regardless of the home that you live in, whether it's a beautiful home or whether it's a simple home, whether it's the home of your dreams, your forever home, or maybe it's just your starter home, but regardless of the home that you live in, The value of your home is determined by your relationships. And I want to encourage you, even as we are in this season where we are at home, we're talking about home life, I want to encourage you to invest in the relationships of home. I know for some of us, perhaps uh, we live by ourselves, perhaps you're single. And, And I want you to understand that just because you're single doesn't mean that you have to be alone. That's part of the reason that God has given us the church, that we would, regardless of the season that we are in, that we would never be alone, that we would find ourselves in the family of God. Why? Because we were made for relationship. It's not good for man to be alone. The Bible says this in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9, that two are better than one. Two are better than one. And I believe that God wants to give every one of us life-giving relationships. Not every relationship in your life is from God, but the relationships that are God-given are life-giving relationships. We need to recognize the partnership that God has for us, and we need to invest in the relationships, invest in friendships. Maybe you need to call some people that you've not talked to in a while. Maybe you need to Even in this quarantine season, maybe you need to make sure that you can get a little date night. Maybe that means if you have kids, you put the kids to bed, you light a candle, you turn on some music, and you just have a little bit of time at home with your family. But invest in your relationships. It's not good for man to be alone. Then he goes on and says this, I will make a helper comparable to him. I'll make a helper comparable to him. God's answer for isolation was to give Adam a comparable helper. I want you to see that that word comparable. 
I believe that's so significant that Eve was comparable. In other words, she was not identical. She was like him, but different. The word comparable means alike, but different. It means of the same kind, but, but a different one, a different person, the same, but different. And ultimately, the life-giving relationships that God has for us are found in our uniquenesses, in our differences. That's true in all of life, even in a church family, that the strength of the church is not in just in our sameness, although we are moving together, but it's in our uniqueness, in our distinctiveness, in our differences that we become comparable. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Every piece of a puzzle is different. They're all working together, showing the same picture, but everyone is different. They're the same, but different. They're not identical. They are comparable. And oftentimes in our relationships, we're drawn to other people, but then we find the place of difference becomes something that drives us apart. Maybe you've seen that in a friendship, the things that initially drew you together now become frustrating. But I believe just like that puzzle piece, the the differences should be the things that lock us together, even in our homes. Uh, It's so interesting that God gave Adam Eve, who was the same but different. She was comparable, not identical. First of all, she, she was a woman which was different than Adam as a man. And, and I, I know the world that we live in oftentimes minimizes the differences of men and women, but ultimately those differences are God-given differences that we reflect different aspects of the nature of God. Adam was born with a, 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 with a purpose, a, 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 a job to do. He was driven to cultivate the earth. He, he, but Eve was, was created into relationship. She was created into family. And I, I know that men and women are all very different, but ultimately I, I know that those differences can become things that push us apart. But I believe God wants those to be things that would bring us together, that we would have that sense that, that those are my people. And that we would celebrate our differences as a place of comparison rather than a place of separation. I want to encourage you, husbands and wives, to celebrate the God-given differences. Maybe some of you, like Adam, are driven by results. You're driven by the, the, the need to see results, to cultivate things, to see results. Maybe some of you are driven by relationships. The fact is that we need both. We need both that, that productive attitude, but also the personal attitude that's relationship-oriented. And so I want to encourage you, as we are in this season, as we are talking about God's plan for our home, I want to encourage you again to embrace the place that God has put you, to recognize the potential in whatever place that you're in in life. And then also to to see the purpose that God has for you, that your life is not just for your own purpose, but ultimately it's to live for a kingdom 
purpose and that you would recognize the purpose. Maybe you're in a season that doesn't seem very fruitful, but that you would continue to sow into that season, that you would live within the parameters that God has given to you for your home, that you would live according to the Word of God in a way that honors God, and that you would begin to embrace the partnership of the relationships that God has given to you. Of course, the the ultimate relationship is the oneness of marriage, but whether you're married or single or whatever season of life you're in, that you would embrace and invest into the relationships in your home. And I know even for some of us, as we're listening to this, maybe you feel like, well, uh, I'm listening to this, but the reality is that my home is a mess. I've built my home not according to God's plan, and I've made it a mess. Maybe, maybe you've had broken relationships. Maybe you have relationships right now that are filled with strife. Maybe you've been looking to go somewhere else into a different place rather than really developing the potential of the place that you're in. And I have the good news for you today that even in this home, in Genesis chapter 2, the perfect home, that it still ultimately became a broken home. And that's why Jesus came as the second Adam to fulfill God's plan, to restore us back to God's plan. And I'm glad to tell you today that whatever your home looks like today, that God specializes in renovations. And so I want to pray for you right now that every single one of us would experience God's plan for our home as we learn to embrace the place, that we learn to live for His purpose, that we uh, learn to live within the parameters and then experience His partnership. And so, Father, we thank You right now, Lord, that wherever we're at, God, I pray that You would have Your way in our hearts and in our homes. God, I pray for those that are listening right now, that are watching this right now. And Lord, maybe they feel like their home is a mess. Maybe they feel, Lord, that their home is broken. Maybe this week they've had moments of frustration, maybe between husbands and wives. Lord, they've allowed their differences to drive them apart rather than bring them together. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to see one another. Father, as you have given us to each other as gifts. Lord, I pray for those that are frustrated in the place that they're in. God, I pray they'd begin to see the potential. They'd see the gold in the place that you've put them. Lord, those that are perhaps in a season in their home. Lord, maybe, maybe they are, are feeling that they want to have children. They've not had children. Or maybe, Lord, their children have left home. Or maybe they're 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 married and they're thinking, man, I, I wish I could be single again. I wish I could live that life. Or maybe they're single and they're wishing to be married. Lord, help us to sow into the season that, that we're in, God. And Lord, I pray that you would have your work in all of our homes, I ask today in Jesus' name. As we're in this atmosphere of prayer and we turn our eyes to the Lord, I, I want to encourage you just to take a moment to meditate, to open up your heart to what God wants to speak to you today, even as we worship the Lord together once again.